invite you to pray with me. I'm going to pray the words from the 23rd Psalm. So we'll just hear the word of God. And then um, as I finish reading that as our prayer, I invite you to pray with me the Lord's Prayer, uh, which you'll be able to see on your screen, these words from Jesus. But here first, the 23rd Psalm. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It is great to welcome you to Providence Church. My name is Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here. We are thrilled that you would take this time and this moment to be in worship with us wherever you may be. Before we get going in the sermon, I want to tell you about something that is happening today, the day that this uh, service launches, and that is a new opportunity to connect here at Providence Church called The Table. The Table is an online way for you to discover more about Providence Church, discover more about yourself and who God has made you to be, and find ways to connect here at Providence. So today, you can go on to our website at prov.church/table, and you'll find there a series of three videos and some interactive ways, again, for you to learn more about our church and more about who you are and how you can connect with the church. And so I invite you to uh, go to prov.church/table if you are new to the church and are wondering, you know, what's this place all about? How can I go deeper? Or maybe you've been with us for a while and you're feeling a sense of disconnection or just wondering, how can I connect with the church? How can I use my gifts? We would love for you to check out this new offering that we have, which is called The Table, prov.church slash table. I have several scriptures that I want to share with you today, but if you only hear one and one that I'm going to say more than once, if you just hear one to let it sink in, it's from that Psalm 23 that I just read, and it says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I want you to hear that today, that no matter what you face, no matter where you're at, no matter what you are walking through, you do not have to be afraid. And you don't have to fear any evil that you may feel is coming against you. Years ago, when my wife Rachel and I uh, at that time only had one daughter, uh, it was a 15-month-old 
Mary, we had taken her for the day to Chattanooga, which is about two hours from where we live, and we'd spent the day there doing all kinds of fun stuff, and we were headed home, so with a 15-month-old baby who had been uh, out of her routine, you know, had missed both of her naps, had not been eating her normal food at her normal times, and we were heading uh, uh, into the sunset, and we were praying that she would fall asleep. (laughs) This is a sincere prayer of new parents when you have a baby. You just need her to go to sleep. So we're driving in the car. Mary's in the back seat in her car seat. And if you've ever been in this situation, you're sort of watching in the rearview mirror, communicating with your spouse only with your eyes, just hoping that she'll fall asleep. You're watching the baby's eyes. You can even use hand signals, you know, to your spouse. It's kind of like, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. No words, no words, right? And so Mary fell asleep, and we were so relieved. And no sooner had she fallen asleep that I slammed on my brakes there on the interstate, and the whole interstate came to a standstill because of an accident that was a little bit up in front of us. And we sat there, Mary, still asleep, and we waited, and we waited. Finally, we had waited so long that I had to roll the windows down. It was a summer night and turn the car off, because I knew we'd be there for a while. And when I turned the car off, Mary woke up, and there was a full-on meltdown, right? And that was just me. (laughs) No, it was her. And she was crying and crying and crying and crying. Rachel tried to calm her down, you know, from the front seat, but she would not calm down, no luck. Mary was done, and she was coming undone. She was uncomfortable, out of her element, overtired. She did not know how to calm herself down. So Rachel, of course, reaches back, unbuckles her out of her car seat, and pulls her into her lap, and then does what only a mom can do. But this was one of my first times to see, you know, up and close uh, a master at work, and Rachel did what a mom does, and she just said, shh. And then she said, listen, Mary, listen. And as the baby's heart began to calm, and as she began to quiet, Rachel said, listen, Mary, do you hear the bugs? And that's when I knew that my wife was losing, <laughs> losing it. <laughs> but she was right. Once Mary quieted, I could also hear the loud sound of crickets or some bugs in the summer night in the median singing their song. And that's what Rachel said. She said, listen, Mary, do you hear them singing? Do you hear what they're singing? And by this time, both Mary and I, our eyes were wide, our ears pressed to the open air of the windows. And Rachel began to sing to her child. They're singing, it's okay, Mary. It's okay, Mary. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, she sang. I have reflected on that moment for 16 years now. Mary was afraid of everything in that moment. Why was she secured in a seat away from her parents when clearly she knew her mother's arms were a better place to be? Why was it dark when she fell asleep? It was light. Why the flashing lights of the emergency vehicles? You know, where was she? What was going on? She was afraid. And Mary being afraid in that moment made perfect sense to everything she could see and everything she could feel. But do you know really what Mary needed to fear in that moment? Nothing. 
none of it. The seat and the secure straps in the back seat were for her safety, not to keep her away from us. The driver knew exactly where he was at. The flashing lights were actually the beacons of salvation for someone else. But she couldn't see it. She feared it. And you know, I get it. This last year, there has been a lot of fear, like so much fear, and I get it. As a pastor, I get to be the recipient of conversations about fear, normally, but this last year, abundantly. Seven-year-olds and 70-year-olds have found it difficult to make it through the night. Even 40-year-olds have Googled how to stop your mind from racing at 2 a.m., and with good reason, right, guys? A tornado ripped through our town while we were asleep in the middle of the night. And that's why you'll still find bundles of blankets and pillows on the floor of the parents' bedrooms in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, because we get visitors in the night when it begins to rain or the wind picks up. With good reason, we fear. I mean, I know so much has been said about the pandemic, but 2020 was the first year we felt fear to go to the grocery store or take mail out of our mailbox or to go to church. This stuff, it really affects your heart. Fear infiltrated our lives and set up camp in hearts and minds where before it had only been an occasional visitor. And evil, yes, real evil, has seemed to be coming against God's people in ways that most of us have never experienced. The old trickster has worked his best tricks in marriages, in friendships, in churches, and yes, in America. We have bought the age-old lies that our way is better than God's way, or that our abundance of words is somehow better than God's word, that power is better than humility, and that being right is a higher value than love and unity. And the return of the purchase on those lies is good, old-fashioned fear. But I believe that God's word is like those humming bugs that night on I-24 outside of Chattanooga. I really do. That's why I tell the story over and over. If we listen, we will hear him. And if we hear him, we will not be afraid. We'll hear his word saying, he will cover us with his feathers and under his wings will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You don't have to fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the plague that destroys at midday, Psalm 91. Or Psalm 23 again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Evil's real and fear follows. But listen to what God is saying. Would we listen to hear God? Would we listen to hear God's voice above the fray, above the noise, above the lies? What is God saying to us? He's saying, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of any evil. God sees our place and he knows we're secure when all we feel is like we're really far from you, God. 
And so God gets us and he speaks to us and we hear his word and his word delivers us from fear and his word delivers us from evil. Remember our four statements? Evil is real. Yes, make no mistake. And remember, we said that the root of evil is when we attempt to take God off his throne and put anyone or anything in his place. And God can deliver us from this evil. There is a way out and a way through this time, and it's God's way. So we don't have to fear any evil. And then we take a stand against it. It's going to be so empowering, I hope, next week to talk about how we can take a stand against real evil in the world right now. But you can't take a stand until you know you don't have to be afraid. If you fear evil, you end up having a meltdown or hightailing it in the other direction. But when you know you don't have to fear, you stand. Here's why you don't have to fear evil. God is sovereign. The word sovereign just means to have supreme or ultimate power. Sovereignty is to have the ultimate power. So this is just a way of saying God's in charge. God is over it all. Another word for sovereignty or a word uh, like unto it is the word providence. Providence just means that God has a protective care because God has all the power. All throughout our story are words that lift up the power of God, God's sovereignty. Psalm 22, right before the 23rd Psalm, it says dominion belongs to the Lord, and he actually rules over all the nations, whether they know it or not. In Hebrews, it says Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. One you may have heard from Romans 8 says that in all things God works for good for his children. Well, all things includes all the things. <laughs> All the evil you might face, all the suffering we might endure, God is sovereign over that. Last week, I said that there is a short-term evil and suffering here on earth, but God is working to accomplish a long-term good. And if we believe that, we're saying that God is sovereign. He's over it all. It's not saying that we understand it all. In fact, it's a way of saying we don't understand it all. But in this belief is the way out of fear, because we also believe that God has power over evil, that God is greater than the evil, that what we're talking about these next few weeks is actually not a fair fight. The devil has actually already been defeated through Jesus Christ. That's why the best trick of all time is when the devil tricks us into living as if we are defeated in fear, because God has the victory and God has power over evil. And God's power is in you. I love this one. I've been thinking about it a lot this week. God's over it all. God's sovereign, yeah. God's powerful power over evil, yeah. And his power's in me. First John chapter 4, John is talking about different kinds of spirits. Go and read it, 1 John chapter 4. He's saying there's different kinds of spirits that you'll encounter, and he says we actually have to test the spirits, that, that Christians are actually called to test 
spirits. That's not like bourbon testing. It's something different. (laughs) Testing spirits is coming against different things in your life and knowing if that's from God or not from God. So it's acknowledging evil when you see it and acknowledging the presence of God when you see it. Like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, you know, how do we discern? And John says that there's actually a spirit already in the world that is anti-Christ, that is against Jesus. That's the opposite of the spirit of Christ. There's a spirit that is not Christ, and we need to recognize it and recognize it as evil. But here's what John says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. He says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Notice the tense there. Have already actually overcome the spirits because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. God has power over evil, and the power is in you. That's why you don't have to fear evil. God's sovereign. God has power over it all, and the power's in us. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God's with me and God's in me. Evil's real, but we don't have to fear evil Evil, we said, means a spirit is working as if God is not on the throne. But guess what? God's on the throne. So that word is a lie. It's not true. It's a trick. The same one the snake used in the garden. Listen, no evil word, no evil person, no evil power can come against you, child of God, son, daughter, of the living king, Jesus the Christ. He's on the throne. No evil will befall you. And so the invitation is simple. If this sounds good to you, if you're like, what the heck, what do I do now? The invitation is to trust God. To trust God. Trust him with your life. Trust him in the middle of the night. Trust him with your children. Trust him in the grocery store. Trust him with America. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. And you have to look right now, like you really do. You have to look at your heart and ask yourself, where am I putting my trust? I love how the Bible says... uh, Don't put your trust in princes. It's an old, ancient word, but it still still sort of makes sense today. Psalm 146 says, Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. But listen, it says, Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. So don't trust in princes. Put your trust in God. And that's when you can say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, God. Even though I walk through the pandemic of our lifetime, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through cancer, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the loss of a spouse, I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the halls of a middle school, 
I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through a divorce, even though I walk through depression, even though I walk through an assisted living, even though I walk through recovery, even though, even though, even though, I will fear no evil. And that is not because I'm tough. And that's not because I'm courageous. It's not because I have a positive attitude. It's because Jesus rescued me. Pulled me out of the back seat where I was having a meltdown. (laughs) And I heard his voice. And I trust him. I trust Jesus. God promises in the valley to walk with us, to be with us, to be in us. And that is accomplished through Jesus Christ. And my friends, that is very, very good news. (laughs) It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has come to the world, and on the cross, he accomplished all that needed to be accomplished to get us up in the front seat. <laughs> it's over. He kicked the devil's butt, he conquered sin and death, and he burst through a door on Easter morning, the door of a grave, and walked out, the conquering Savior, the King of the earth, and he sits on his throne, and we worship him with joy. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no 